everyone, and welcome back to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and joining me for some courtroom drama, my dear friends, the great litigator himself, Commander Eric, and the guy who tries to stay out of court as much as possible, Lieutenant Commander David. How you gents doing? Well, was that like a shot or something? Sure, I, why not? I, 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 I was trying to be like, witty. Wow. <laughs> I was trying to be witty on the spot. Wow. Wasn't working out too well. Yeah, I wouldn't consider myself a great litigator at all. Like, at all. You know, I'm just trying to stay on brand, on theme tonight. Man. We just Fair go home. Enough. I'm just going to go home. Okay. I'm not sure already home. I am actually. <laughs> oh man, what have you two been up to since uh, we last chatted about the season premiere? Great, I love yeah. it. That's exciting. <laughs> man, give me some more of that right now. Let's I know. Go okay. Well, okay. Well, recently, uh, I mean, not like super recent, but. Not too long ago, I had the opportunity to to have a guest appearance on another on another Star Trek podcast. I know I yeah. I stepped out, I cheated on us, but I'm admitting to it. I'm coming clean, right? We're gonna need uh, yeah. some, we're gonna need to go through some counseling, my dude. Like, how dare you cheat on us? I know. Uh, <laughs> no, I uh, I uh, found a, a podcast. It's called Trek Profiles. The idea is the host he. He brings on people and he tells their basically their Star Trek origin story, right? How did you get into Star Trek? What does Star Trek mean to you? And then when we talk about episodes, when he talks about episodes, he doesn't talk about episodes like, oh, well, let's talk about Memento Mori because we love it and it's a great episode. The idea is he wants to find episodes where, like, did it make you think about the world in a different way or did it, like, you know, did you learn some big lesson from it? Not just, oh, hey, this is a good episode and let's talk about it because it's a good episode. And so I just kind of like reached out, cold cold called him essentially, reached out and said, hey, you know, I, I love Star Trek. I, I listened to your podcast a little bit and I, if, you know, because he's, he's got a link on his website where you can just like, hey, if you want to be a guest, you can just message him. And so I did, and we uh, we recorded that a little while ago. But the episode just came out this past week, so um, it's called Track Profiles. If you if you want to listen to it, you know, I would recommend it. Man, look at you go! I know, look right? At you go. <clears throat> <clears throat> it was fun. Da- David, do you need to come clean about anything? You're being very accusatory tonight, and I don't appreciate your tone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean we we obviously went through our, our book finally over the weekend, so not much has really been going on since then. Although I did go to uh record an episode of, of my podcast and uh you ever get one of those like panic moments when something goes wrong and then you of panic course. and do all the wrong things? Of course. All the time. Well, well, you know, this computer that I do all this stuff through is, is you know, it's Apple. And um, my super awesome Apple mouse went dead. Hmm. Well, this you have to charge through the bottom. 
and while it's charging you can't really use it so it went dead right as I was getting ready to look something up so I'm kind of stalling and I'm trying to like reach behind you know the the little console here and, and like you know get a, a, a plug-in but everything's like plugged in so the first one I unplugged was my webcam so that goes out and then I'm like, ah, crap, plug that back in. And it wouldn't turn back on for some reason. And then so I unplugged the next one, which was my console, <laughs> my Goodness. soundboard and everything. Uh, so that wasn't feeding through the call. And it was, uh, yeah, it was dumb. Had to stop. And I haven't really um, listened to that audio back yet. So it's very possible that it could be terrible. I really don't know. It could be the greatest quality sound you've ever had at the same time, too. I doubt it. <laughs> I highly doubt it. This is me being optimistic, okay? I don't appreciate your optimism either. <laughs> of course you don't. I don't need your false hopes. I'd rather have the accusations. Fine. <laughs> Fine. Oh, man. Oh, there hasn't been too much in my world, really. I mean... Like you said, David, we did our, our book discussion. Finally. Finally. Um, I mean, it's, I've been off this week. Off, air quotes. Um, because, like, we're between semesters right now. Or between sessions right now, I should say. Um, so, yeah, I haven't done too much. I mean, answered, like, maybe a few emails. Been to, like, one research meeting and then trying to reorganize and clean up my home office and that's about it i know real exciting really exciting stuff right there like wow let me tell you yeah eric's nodding his head he's like yeah man i mean i just i mean i just cleaned cleaned the apartment you know last week right sometimes yeah. that you just need to do that you just need to trash bag a bunch of stuff too oh dude four trash bags full of stuff like what is this? I don't know. Trash bag. Exactly. Wait, we might need that trash bag. Yeah. 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 I moved some things around, and um, I had like, what was it? Three bookshelves. Three or four bookshelves in here, and um, I've moved. I've turned my closet now into a library, so I have two bookshelves in there. Um, so I've been able to free up space in my actual office and. Or that feng shui kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know. That's all I got. Um, so, uh, since that's probably it, do y'all want to go ahead and get started a little early and do the other thing? I was like, not much happened for us this week. I know, we're like really exciting people, aren't we? <laughs> it was one of those weeks, man. <laughs> it's like, wow. Yeah. It's like really hot. That's about it. It is hot as a, it is like a, the devil's behind down here. It is so hot. 95 feels like 116. No big deal. Yeah, but it's like 95 at like 10 a.m. That's true. It's and 10 p.m. It's 83 <laughs> at 6 a.m. I know because I look. It's hot. Like that, that's like, that should be illegal. But for the rest of the world... Just know that when it comes to Texas, we're just preheating right now. Like, come on, August. August, <laughs> that'll scorch you right there. 
Eric, get your seltzers ready, man. I mean, I need to get my water ready. That too. <laughs> All right. Well, since we're very exciting people with tons of things to talk about, let's go ahead and talk Trek, shall we? All right, everyone. So we're going into uh, spoilerific territory. So this is your red alert. Red alarm. As we talk about Star Trek Strange New World Season 2, Episode 2, Ad Astra Per Aspera. It's Latin. So if I pronounced it right or wrong, it's fine. Just, it's fine. Uh, I don't speak dead languages. At least when I need, not until I need to. Um, guys, and guys, guys, guys. So, um, <clears throat> this episode, part of me, I'm just going to lead with this. I Part of me wishes this was last week's episode. Yeah, this this was this feels like a better lead off episode than last week's. Um, mm. But I mean, at the same time, somehow you had to get Laan back into this episode. Yeah. But I will say, I I like last week. I was I was critical. I was like, it was a strange decision to sideline your captain in the season premiere. And I thought, okay, well, maybe he's not going to be in that because, like, it's just going to be him and Una in this episode and, like, the rest of the ship's not going to be there. But nope, here they all were. And so it felt like even a stranger decision after having seen this episode. Mm. Okay. Well, uh, this was a long episode. Uh, clocked in at 57 minutes long, um, about five ish minutes of that was like credits I believe uh, but still like definitely a, a longer run time for this particular episode um, so of course we get like the last time on Star Trek kind of like rundown or whatever um, and getting a little bit of you know the kind of connecting uh, tissue that we had from last week of course and then like rolling right into um you know we gotta we gotta get get our our girl back right um so part of it is um is what like we're we have pike who's trying to get a litigator right trying to get like a, an attorney for una um even if it means you know suffocating to do it no big deal right it's no big deal yeah, didn't wasn't there an Enterprise episode where they were on a planet that they had to have breathers for, or or was it no, it was another species that needed breathers on that planet to absorb or to to be able to you know have the process uh, oxygen or something like that. But that was an ben, Enterprise episode. Well, well, what was um, oh my gosh, um, the Benzites, right? Is that who it was the Benzites? They were like the blue, um, kind of fish-looking kind of people. And they were. I don't. From, I don't... from TNG, like there was yep. one of them that was like friends with Wesley, um, and when he took Wesley took his psych exam, there was a like Ben Doc or something was his name. Yeah, th but, there was but, that. But there, there was a. But David, was... what I think you're thinking about is the Enterprise uh, series premiere when they go to when they're going to that planet before they find the Klingons, mm -hmm. um, and yeah. there's like an alien race that like. Tucker looks over. He thinks the mother's like suffocating the child, yeah, but then Tapal's the like, they only breathe like some other gas until they're a certain age. So the mother's weaning her off of it, off, the child off of it. 
I think that's mm-hmm. what you're talking about. Yeah, that's the one. Cool. Tough to breathe in Star Trek. No big deal. It's fine. It's fine. Nobody needs to breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we have Pike, who's doing the thing, um, trying to get this other Illyrian kind of um, attorney to represent and take on um, Una's case. But, like, do we don't know she's an Illyrian right off the bat, do we? We don't. We don't. That's, like, discovered much later in the episode. It's fine, though. It's fine. Yeah. Um, were, were, were either of you expecting to know who this was supposed to be? No. Like, I, I don't know. In the first episode, when we were bringing this up, I thought it was going to be somebody that we would know for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like you're building up a character, and, and again, unless somebody wants to contradict me, that's a, an entirely new character. Yeah. Maybe I'm just scarred from every every other cameo ever made in a show, you know. But I was just like, <laughs> I, I, I had this, I had this thing, and and then we finally meet her, and I'm like, oh, I don't know who the hell that is. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but Pike convinces her, hey, come help Una. She's like, I'm not helping Una doing it for myself and for all the other people out there. Yeah. Um, oh, where'd it go? No, I, I mean, I think this is interesting. Even before we got there, we're, we have a meeting with Una and Captain Pat- Patel. I always want to say Patel, but it's Patel. And she's basically saying, like, Starfleet is, we don't want this to come out. Starfleet does not want a public record that we let an Illyrian slip through our fingers and get promoted up the chain of command so, so fast. So, like, keep it on, look, dishonorable discharge, no prison time, seal your records, you walk away. Everyone washes our hands of this. No one knows about it. And, the, and like, her lawyer is like, yeah, take the deal. So I'm not, I don't think this is necessarily jumping the gun, but if in fact La'an is truly like genetically engineered or has like any kind of like augment, like eugenic stuff going on, what's the implication for her, you know, after this has happened? Or is there nothing? Because like they've, they've said how they've asked how many times, like, are you related to Khan? Are related to Khan? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. But we're not doing anything with it. But just because you're like an ancestor doesn't mean you would share like augments, right? Because that's like got to be done to you. I don't know. They. I mean, I'm just saying, like they. They said, like even before the show you know, the series premiered that they were going to like talk more about it. And I don't recall them talking much about it other than just saying like a a quick name drop here and there. And then, I mean, later on this episode, like we talk briefly about it, but like, I don't know, just, that's just all this, like being brought to the forefront, you know, with this Illyrian stuff is just getting me to think about, what would this mean for Laon? I don't know. Maybe I'm just over. I'm probably overthinking. This is fine. It's fine. David's agreeing, so that's that's cool. Okay, moving on. <laughs> um. 
So apparently there was some kind of um, uh, the the this lady takes on the case, by the way, and um, she um, ends up talking to um, Una about it, and um, kind of surprised to see her and kind of hearing a message of "I told you so," right? Yeah. 25 years, the first thing you're going to say is, I told you so. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Were either of you as confused at the uh, <clears throat> end of the episode as I was about the explanation about why we have this conflict between the two? Um, because per- I think per- I figured it out. Okay, I mean, I, I think I kind of understand, but it doesn't like seem as earth shattering as yeah. it would appear maybe so and so we can talk I, about it later but i, I was just kind of like curious because right now is the start of the conflict i mean i mean i think i mean una gives this gives her her you know her testimony in court and she says there was like this boy that got picked on or something right and i think it was this 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 lawyer's brother because they they have the same last name wondering. Right, and oh, then the same last name. They have the same last name. Ah, uh, okay, that makes more sense then. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought like, it was Una, something. Una, Una and her family didn't stand up for them, or they like let bad things happen. I thought it was something else, maybe on top of that, like the fact. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. Talk about that later. Um, but one thing we did miss is that, um, that I, I kind of breezed over was the fact that we do have a flashback, a very brief flashback, but a, a flashback nonetheless of a young Una um, with like a broken leg. And unless she can get some kind of doctor or whatever, um, it's going to get infected and fall off or something. Um, and like kind of hearing this like whisper of Una's going to be OK. Una will be OK. So let, let me let me ask another question to you guys, because clearly the two of you pay more attention than I do. What is specifically Una's augmentation? Because I, I know like during our episode where we learn what she was, she kind of had some immunity build up. But like, is that what it is or is there something else? Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was immunity, too. But like mm-hmm. during this flashback, it's like, no, she just has an infection in her leg and she's not so she glows. That's her. That's yeah, her augmentation. I, I've got the glowy sure. bones, guys. <laughs> I can absorb. She like absorbed the energy or something. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, we obviously I figure we'll we'll talk about more of the. You know, the the. The, the law and the sort of just generalness around augmentation in general but I just I, I didn't really like yeah Una's clearly a threat with her glowy bones I don't know yeah okay last scene yeah. of the teaser which I didn't know how long the teaser was but we, we should stop calling them teasers like because they're Hold really open. not yeah like they're Una's rejected the deal and and then they're they're in the the judges' quarters, I guess, judges' chambers, and they're like the big vice admiral, the head of like the the JAG corps, right? Comes in and says, "We're adding more charges: sedition and conspiracy, twenty years possible prison sentence." 
We're throwing the book at you to make an example because you rejected our sweetheart deal. Well, we, I, we also have, as you so aptly called her, the lead, leader of the JAG Corps here. No, I'm just uh, our, our captain uh, in Pike meeting in his quarters as he's cutting oh, carrots. Yeah. yeah. There was just a brief, brief little interlude there. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't want this case. <laughs> they no, no, the leader of the JAG Corps, like that Vulcan yeah, admiral. Yeah. I was talking about like that Vulcan yeah, yeah, admiral yeah. that came in. I the, oh, what are you doing here? You talking about the guy? Like, as in the dude that's, like, working with Patel? Yeah, advice, the Admiral. The Vulcan, the Vulcan the Admiral. Pasalk, right? Pasalk, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's a real, he's a real gem, man. He's a Vulcan. Are you out of your Vulcan mind? Okay, that's fine. Um, okay. So by the way, this um, this all take this takes place. Um, was it start date two three nine three? Things what we were talking about before. Two three nine three point eight is the uh, captain's log, um, the start date given. So, um, which by the way does not necessarily line up with um, internal canon, but that's, no, that's no, fine. it doesn't. No big deal. No big deal. There's no such thing as canon. Right? What's canon? canon is what they need it to be. <laughs> okay. So, um, 20 years for lying on an application, right? Um, and this whole, like, they want to make an example out of you, like you were um, starting to say. Um, so. But does that really make, sorry, does that really make much sense? So, the first deal is to keep everything quiet and buried so that we can all go about living our rosy lives. But then you're going to say, no, we're going to throw you in a penal colony for 20 years with clearly now that we see, you know, she has a lawyer who very much wants to advocate here for more their, you know, Illyrians in general, like to have such a harsh punishment. Do you not think that that's going to make some awkward ripple? You know what I mean? Like, I'm just talking about logic here. Like, is it logical, truly logical, to want to just throw the entire book aside from, like, a plot device? I mean, you got to make an example. If you can't make it go away, you make an example. Yeah, but then you get a martyr. Just just for, for grins and giggles, um, do either of you remember uh, what Michael Burnham's sentence was? life imprisonment for treason for treason yes and she got out in like what six months a year because of Lorca yeah something like that okay so treason right treason um there may or may not have been some death along the way inciting a war I mean that seems like, I mean that, I don't know that, I don't, even even life seems kind of like overkill to me, even for some of that. But twenty years because of genetic modification, that seems that that definitely seems excessive. 
Well, well, here's the thing, and like this happens in um in the real world too. <laughs> like, if if you are offered a plea deal, right, and you say no, I don't want to take it. I want my day in court, and you go to court and you are then convicted anyway the the court generally sees that as a waste of time like lots of judges and prosecutors will see that as a waste of time and judges often sentence these people who refuse plea deals to much harsher sentences than they should be sentenced to that happens in real life all the time is and that I, I like think a bench that's decision is that what it, a bench ruling it's called like, like advocating from the bench like okay. that but like that happens all the time in our in our legal system in this country, and I think maybe there's like a little bit of critique about that right here. Yeah, hmm. makes sense. <clears throat> well, okay. Um, so we have like a little bit of of drama going on between um, <clears throat> um, Una and I'm completely blanking on her name right now. Her lawyer? Attorney. Her lawyer, yeah. Um, yeah, what's her name? Oh, good grief. This is good podcasting. What's her name? <laughs> <laughs> Nira Katul. Say again? Nira Katul. Nira. Okay, Nira. So, yeah, we have like a little uh, banter between Nira and Una about this. Um, and um, anyway, so we get Nira, who's going to set up shop right on um, on the Enterprise in Una's quarters, and uh, Laon is is wanting to make herself available to kind of help with the case as much as possible, but she's also being slightly cryptic about it. Now, there was um, uh, one um, content creator I was listening to recently um, about this episode. And um, they were saying that um, this particular um, episode of Strange New Worlds only has an A plot. There is no B plot. And I would push back on that, and I would say the A plot is certainly the trial. And I would say the B plot is maybe La'an in her pursuit to help Una. It, it's maybe a stretch maybe the A plot is just the trial, the B plot is the relationship between Nira and Una, and maybe there's a C plot, but I do think that there's something there um, in terms of, like, the digging that's worth exploring. Yeah, it might be, like, an A.5 plot, right? Sure. sure. Like, it's so, not, like, immediately the trial, but it's still as it relates to it. Yeah. And so, so Nira's like, she's requesting like this stuff, like I need access to X, Y, and Z things, including like logs. And I also need a copy of the uh, Starfleet uh, Uniform Code of Justice, um, assuming it's in the, the database. And, um, you know, La'an saying like, hey, I think there might be like something going on. I'm going to like follow my nose and see what happens. And I'll get back to you. All right. Cool. Cool. Um, and like kind of mentioning this whole Starfleet versus Wick which is this, like, basically this um, uh, case law, essentially, about illegal, illegal, wow, illegally obtained um, evidence, basically. And assuming that that might be what's in play at this point. Um, like, 
if this was only recorded in logs, it was like private, who went snooping, like pulling logs without any kind of like, you know, release or something, some kind of red tape being, you know, lifted or whatever. Um, so yeah, there's that. And then we get our plucky comic relief, Ortega, Lieutenant Ortega's, just like doing the thing that I don't know if you ever do that at restaurants, but like you watch a couple across the room and you like try to like like can't hear them, but you're trying to you're coming up with your own conversation. Never, I would never, never do. You know? that. I would never do that, Eric. <laughs> ever. <laughs> Yeah, so we're in some Spock kind of like bar. Over. Spock comes over. He's like, I'm sorry you had to see that outburst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ortega, yeah, Ortega is just doing her thing. And Mbang is like, man, these guys hate each other. You can tell just by their body language. And they're just like sitting there like so civilly by our standards. Um, and this is all happening after uh, Battelle and Pike are having a conversation at this bar restaurant thing too and he wants to you know go to go to bat for but knowing it also won't end well for him and the crew if he does it was kind of surprising that they didn't wind up bringing him in at some point though i mean it's not a criticism of how they did go with the trial format but normally you know you 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 would get someone up there more of in defense traditionally because it, this as much as you could make a case that this is you know different in a way it's still a court martial that we've seen before from the original series through TNG Voyager every series has its court day in court episode um, no problem with that but they oftentimes do bring the captain in and while pike is mentioned later in the trial i I guess i was just a little surprised that he didn't just sort of force his way in Hmm. i actually like that they didn't bring because like you feel like you were expecting pike to to Mm -hmm. testify in court and give an impassioned and fiery speech in defense of una and i think not having him actually like almost makes the episode stronger well, and the way they went with it, I mean, as we'll talk about, I mean, I, I have zero issue with it. I'm just kind of surprised they didn't instantly jump on that. Sweet. Sweet. All right, we open our trial, right? Ding, ding. Ding, dun, ding. Dun. Yep. So, so you know, our Captain Patel, but Patel gets up there and it says, there's a reason we don't allow genetic modifications. The, the eugenic spores billion millions of people dead right it's like playing god and we can't have that here hmm. and and that the law is the law right the law says you can't do it doesn't matter what your reason is and that's where our defense attorney gets up there and she's like you know there were lots of things that were the law at one point lots of things that were legal at one point slavery apartheid you know gender discrimination, racial discrimination, sexual orientation discrimination, religious discrimination. Just be, just because those things are the law doesn't mean that it's right and it's correct. Mm-hmm. And we're setting the stage for 
our social commentary here. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, the, the strong thing about here, as for me at least, as we do sort of drill in April, you get our tribunal being very, very against levying anything against Starfleet. It's it, it's always kind of the funny thing when, you know, you have somebody on trial, it's supposed to be all about them, right? We're, it's you. But when you can make a greater case that maybe in this case, the society around you could have contributed a lot to it. It was very interestingly shut down in the beginning, uh, basically through April, because uh, uh, Nira was effectively making the case for captain's prerogative, you know, captain's discretion, which is a valid thing. And it's not necessarily an attack on April. Which it's is also fact. important later, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, it, it's, you know, it is a fact. And it's it's kind of like one of those things. It's like, but we but we sweep that under the rug. It's fine. So, I, you know, it was, it was interesting how in the beginning we wanted to shut that down so quickly. Because we even struck April from the record. All the testimony from Robert April from the record. Which didn't seem like a very strong start, you know what I mean? So both in real life and in this, I don't understand the whole stricken from the record thing. Like, I understand that it's to not be allowed, like in the transcript, you know, from the court reporter or whatever. But well, also the jury, the jury is not allowed to to use that knowledge during their deliberation. That doesn't make sense. They're to supposed like, to ignore it completely. But that's the thing. Like, how can you ignore something that you just heard? You get what I'm saying? Like, that's going to in, that's going to influence you. Period. I've I've never understood that. Like, I mean, I I understand like the concept of it, but practically, I don't understand it. saying yeah yeah but like yeah our, our Nira, she's up there and she's like hey you broken the prime directive this time this time this time this time why is it okay for you to break the rules and get away right but mm-hmm. but not her right and yeah so you no, we're no we're not talking about this so they're in this in this thing like you know like and Nira is like doing a great job like making this case by the way i think she's doing a great job um but it gets down to the point, you know, the part where she's like, hey, had you known that she was Illyrian, would you have sponsored her? No. Like, I know this is like you, just... Do you spe- believe him when he says that? I watched it twice today uh, before we recorded. I do. I do, too. I do, too. Well, the, I mean, the better question, the clarifying question, although it wouldn't have worked as well into the case that she was trying to do here, the better question would have been, but would you have attempted to advocate for her in general, maybe to make an exception or to make a change to the law? But I mean, I kind of agree with, with you guys that I think steadfastly he was he, he would not have really done anything past that. What do you think this means for their relationship now that this like like has like basically come from the heart like I know who you really are and I don't 
well, you even saw the change with Pike though too. Oh yeah. After when, when... after this, they you know Pike they're in Pike's quarters. Pike pours him a drink. He doesn't take it, and he seems very offended that he even went out and got Una counsel, like a proper counsel as well, and that he was grilled and effectively put on, in quotations, trial. So, yeah, it could yeah, be and, a and, P- and, and I think Pike knew it, too, because, like, when the testimony ended, he, like, walked to he was like, oh, boy. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. So, yeah, um, just going ahead a little bit, um, Una's not too happy with uh, Nier's approach and uh, the fact that uh, Nier is also trying to use this as, um, as a soapbox, right? As a platform to um, not just take care, not really take care of Una, but to bring more awareness just to like Illyrians in general. So what do we think about that? Like the fact that like this is the the current approach that Nira is taking with this case and how this part of the of the episode is playing out. I mean, I think you see that happen even in the real world. Like I don't care about this case in general. We could lose this case, but it's more about bringing this this idea into public awareness, right? Or you know, having putting putting eyes on this issue, right? Like, who cares about this trial? This will just be the catalyst to start things. Yeah, I mean, I know that that's what I'm supposed to think, but I honestly think it was a good start. Like, I don't, I don't get the reaction from my point of view. I don't, I don't get the reaction because it, it is an important point to make. I think early on that you're dealing with you know, uh, a body that doesn't even follow its own regulations 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. And you're just chipping away. You chip away at the wall little bit by little bit. And I mean, that's how it's an opening. It doesn't mean that that's your entire strategy. And maybe she changed her, maybe you can make the case that she changed her strategy. But for me, I didn't have any issues with it. I wouldn't have reacted that way personally, but there again with Una, you're kind of attacking a friend or someone as she, someone she saw as a friend in April. So sure. Well, Una is like trying to, you know, in this, this particular conversation between her and Nira, like we're, we're kind of like peeling back the onion more and more of like relational dynamics and like what might've happened you know, between them, um, but not too much, but we're still trying to peel back the onion. Uh, as we continue on with this particular trial, uh, we start bringing in like more, I guess, like character witnesses of sorts, right? Like we bring in, um, was it Spock? We bring in uh, La'an. Uh, we bring in, was it um, Mbenga yeah. um, as well? And they're all being asked different questions about her and what she's like. And, you know, on saying stuff like she saved my life and uh, she's amazing and stuff like that. And Spock is saying that, you know, she's an extraordinary officer and that it'd be a bad idea to get rid of her essentially. And 
Um, even Battelle says something, asks something to the effect of, did you ever suspect that she was hiding something? And he kind of like does this like Spock thing and like, yeah, something about like an affinity for Gilbert and Sullivan musicals, but you know, no, nothing beside that. Uh, which I thought was a nice nod to, uh, what was that, the Q&A uh, short track? Is that what it was? I don't, I don't So the short track where it's um, Spock's first days in Ensign on the Enterprise, and they're stuck in the elevator um, together on that episode of short tracks. No? No one? Cool. I mean, I saw, I saw it, but I don't remember it. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, all right, so that's that's a thing for a little bit. Um, now, intermixed with all this, uh, I think we've we've kind of like glossed over it briefly, but um, you know, back a little while, you know, when Laan was in uh, meeting with Nira, like, hey, I'm I think I might have a way, or I might have something that you can work with. He tried. She tried. Laan tries talking to um, Uhura to get some logs and some other stuff, and. Uhura's like, nope, not going to do it because I know Una's your mentor and you're my mentor and I don't want you getting in trouble and bad stuff happening. You're going to have to find another way. So there's more digging and there's another meeting that happens between Laon and Nira. And what comes to light in that meeting is like, hey, I think I might have been the one that somehow caused all these problems to happen because I was angry. And... I said something in my personal log. So it might have gotten out. It might have been me type of thing that spilled the beans without even realizing it. And it takes a little bit longer than just, you know, four months. It takes like six plus months and a bunch of red tape to lift a personal log. So, no, it wasn't you. So just chillax, basically. Um, but we do get another book. Um, it's this book, volume 12.9, I believe is what the one was of the um, Starfleet Uniform Code of, mili- uh, of, of Military ju- Starfleet Uniform Code of Justice. There we go. Since when do we have big textbooks like this in Star Trek? Well, we had them in the original Court Martial episode. Did we? Yeah, the, the advocate that they brought on had an affinity for books. And he had books. And he talked about books. Okay. That was, Kirk, was like, Kirk's dang. trial. Yeah. So then, <laughs> I mean, I know Picard was reading a book on in Captain's Holiday. He's like, all I want to do yeah. is sit here and read my book, No Jamaharan. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I did want to kind of just pose one quick thing here. So Uhura um, does not fulfill Leon's request, right? Right. In any other iteration of Star Trek, do you think that somebody would have denied a request like that? It always felt like when we had to bend the rules to help a friend, we always did it. I actually kind of like the fact that she didn't hear because, you know, it's like, but you don't need to get in trouble because maybe maybe this isn't the way we go about things. Right. But right. in any other version, <laughs> would we have been that sticklerish about rules? No, I probably not. No, I don't. It's like, oh yeah, let me hack into everything. It'll be fine. <laughs> anyway, yeah. All right, and I know, I know, like 
when people say they figured it out ahead of time most of the time people didn't figure it out ahead of time but like when when a, a defense attorney here says it wasn't you it takes longer than that i i i think i figured it out right in that moment like right at the same moment i think the lawyer figured it out too she's like i know what happened here right it's like i'm pretty sure this is what's gonna happen and, and it did yeah whenever that was happening i'm like una una turned herself in really like in that in the quarters not the courtroom and then, like, it happened, like, okay, it actually happened. Yep. Sweet. And here we go. We're the, the crux of this episode. Here we go. La'an takes the stand. Or not La'an. Una oh, takes the um, stand. Right? In her own defense. Which is typically the worst thing you can do as a, as the defendant in any trial. But, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Nero says, I'd like to call the defendant Una Chin Riley to the stand. How long you been in? 25 years, yo. And uh, then we get the name drop of the episode along the way, right? So why'd you join Starfleet? And they say the episode title. And uh, apparently this was the Starfleet motto before the Federation. I don't remember that in Enterprise for some reason. I don't either canon is what you make it yeah it's what you need it to be <laughs> <laughs> to the stars through hardship okay um so like it's but like it has a double meaning right she says she says you know it was hard to reach the stars but that they could deliver you from it, it was hard to get to the stars but that going to the stars could also you know relieve the hardship you know and make things better yeah like a double double meaning there yeah yeah and that's where this like starts to come even more where Nira's is asking something to the effect of you know why would you need um salvation and like trying to you know break down barney style like childhood and what it meant to be illyrian essentially to the court in trying to establish context, which don't have a problem with. I think it's it's good lawyering right there. Good lawyering. But I think they also bring up a good point in this, like Una didn't choose to be genetically modified. Like these were these modifications were done to her like before she even had consent. Like her parents did it to her. And can you really blame her? For, for these modifications. This is, this is a big, important part of that, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we learned that she um, that Una grows up in this particular um, nebula, the Volterra Nebula, um, and that this particular area was given a provisional membership uh, to the Federation. Um, but the, the, the snag in all this, the fly in the ointment, is, hey gotta stop the genetic modification stuff um, or else type of thing um, and as we've kind of talked about like and even as like she's talking about it um, there's like this cultural kind of implication that's like wrapped into the genetic stuff um, it's not just for funsies it's I mean 
it's it's a cultural tradition it's a heritage type of thing um for illyrians but in particular it's a it's a thing for um her family um so um to say you can no longer practice your your culture you can no longer practice your tradition um it's kind of a a jerk move yeah, but can, can I just be a jerk for for yes, just a second? Get With up, the full up. understanding that I'm I'm not really trying to make any case one way or the other. It's just a you know it's just thought exercise. So I don't specifically know what Una's modification is. It appeared at least early on that it was some sort of immunity, like viral immunity or something of that nature. Maybe just pumping up the immune system. Maybe it didn't work so well when she was a kid, but it like as you grow, it grows type of deal, and then glowy bones. So, is is there ever a point where we stretch the word culture to encompass too much? Because at that point, you, you are manipulating your natural evolutionary cycle. Now, I'm not saying again not good or bad but what I'm wondering about is you are effectively when, when, when you're manipulating that genetic structure you are trying to get some sort of advantage out of it it's not strictly or maybe it's not strictly a cultural thing you want the benefit of it as well and then how far does that really go because when you think about it eugenics is not it happens today like it's not a, a, a future term we do have you know certain instances of like like um, down syndrome you know basically that I'm not even going to go into it because I, I, I'm really not meaning to offend anybody here one way or the other but what does that all relate to do they you know do they nix that out what about birth defects that would have just been naturally occurring do we even do that as the federation to help save a child so again like how much of it is truly cultural and how much of it is trying to take advantage of the advantage that that could potentially get to you and how far does it even go this episode doesn't really answer that at all but when you start thinking about like the Federation's view of the eugenics wars, which what did they say killed how many million of people? Like fifty or sixty million, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So that is kind of scary to ever think about because like people in general do have the capacity for great evil. We've seen it over and over again, and we don't always learn well from history. Now, what happened to Una in her story was terrible and it never should have happened because in her case she had no choice it was her parents that did that now she might if she ever had children probably wouldn't do it to her children because she kind of has you know learned a little bit more maybe or maybe she does I don't know maybe she does see it as cultural my whole thing tiptoeing very carefully around all of this is is it truly cultural or is it more of a preserving of advantage 
that maybe some of these things can give to you disguised as culture feels like a jerky question to me but it was just something rambling around in my head <laughs> I mean I I think the asking the question that you're asking is is kind of the point of of this of an episode like this and I think of Star Trek in general and 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 even sci-fi in general is to is to be able to uh, like get you to think about things like this and ask big questions I think that's one of the things that this episode really excels at here. Yeah. And I also think it breaks into how much assimilation is too assim- assimilated as well. Well, because yeah. The- I mean, she, she mentions like they're like the, there's civil unrest over some incident and the city got split up into like the Illyrian area and the non Illyrian yeah. area, Bad. like a Federation colony, literally like, divided people along segregation. racial racial lines se- segregation yeah. and and that Una's family chose to go with the non-Illyrians cuz they they could blend in and they could assimilate and and I think you know there's this this touchy thing right now of like should you be trying to blend in or should you be trying to hold on to your culture mm-hmm Right, how much should you uh, try to assimilate assimilate into like the I don't want to say majority but I don't know what the better yeah. word is for that yeah dominant versus minority if I can just say it that way yeah you know whenever um, I don't want this to turn into um, class time or anything like that uh, I teach social and cultural foundations, the multicultural counseling class. And uh, one thing that we talk about in that class is um, the different um, like cultural groups, like domains uh, within it. Um, and some of them to like just name a few. Um, like we're looking at um, ethnicity and race. We're looking at gender, sexual orientation. Um, you're looking at um, ability versus disability type of thing. Um, SES, I mean, we're, we're looking at not just, um, like upper middle, you know, class or low, lower class or, you know, poor working class, whatever. We're not just looking at that, but like SES is also looking at your education level as, as well. So like, if you've been able to go to college, you're going to have a higher SES just by virtue of going to college. So when we're talking about like these abilities, uh, like this genetic modification type of thing, that is technically, I mean, by our 21st century standards, that is technically um, in a cultural group. If we wanted to like really break it down Barney style, like looking at it from like an ability versus disability kind of standpoint. And it could be, and that's the thing that's interesting too, even like, whenever I teach my students this, is like, uh, when we're looking at like intersectionality of something, like where you, you can be uh, majority versus minority of something, um, like you can have like the same intersection of stuff. Like it could be like um, gender and SES, where it's like you're in a majority type of thing, 
but it could be a minority kind of thing in another instance too. So just like with, what I'm getting as like with Una, it could be a good thing on one hand for her to, you know, be a Lyrian, but on the flip side, depending on the context, it's not a good thing, which is what we're getting at with this episode. So I just wanted to touch on that from like just a class, like a, a counseling class kind of kind of standpoint. So that's a really basic drive-by smattering of it, but just for what it's worth, I suppose. <laughs> anyway. Something to think about. Um, where are we? I'm lost. I mean, after Una gives her her testimony, that that Vulcan gets up and he's like, he's he looks pissed. Blood, <laughs> I mean, he looks yeah. pissed. He's like, emotions don't matter, only facts. <laughs> <laughs> like the fact of the matter is, you're Illyrian and you lied. When did Pike know about this? You're under oath. Tell me. Tell me. Stardate 1224.3, homie. Ha! Four months ago! Four months ago, yep. Now you committed fraud and conspiracy, and that will lead to the court martial of the captain of the Enterprise. Mm hmm. And then we have um, Nira coming out with. Uh, one heck of a follow-up. Hey, can you read? Great. I want you to read this for me. It's a book, by the way, not not a data pad. I hope you know how to read a book. It has paper and binding and all that stuff. Read read this for this for me. You're, you're familiar with Starfleet Code eight five one four. Uh, yeah, totes, man, totally familiar with that. Like, isn't everyone? Duh. <laughs> Come on now. Um, and she reads she reads the thing. Um. And I, I have it pulled up, so I'm just going to read it just for, for funsies. In extraordinary extreme circumstances, the following conditions are met. One, any person fleeing persecution um, or fearing for their life due to political or religious beliefs, cultural engagements, or biological truths may, two, seek safety within Starfleet, and three, upon re revealing themselves to authorities and making a request, may be granted asylum. Starfleet captains must exercise discretion when offering asylum status is confirmed by a Starfleet tribunal or designated authority. Boom. And you have all this being interspliced with some of the testimony that Una was giving, lining up perfectly with all this stuff in Starfleet Code 8514. Yeah, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a really good closing argument. Mm -hmm. She made it. She and she didn't. She was. It wasn't as impassioned or as um like Picard in The Measure of a Man, right? Or as fiery or as impassioned as The Measure of a Man or the Drumhead, right? But mm -hmm. every bit is effective, right? And basically, just mic drop. Mm -hmm. It 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 felt it felt like more of a professional than somebody who is more of an advocate like Picard was definitely an advocate this is a professional you know not completely dispassionate but far more than somebody who's not necessarily a lawyer so I, I appreciated that and it, it was it was a very good speech and it was a very very nice setup that's why I said I didn't mind Pike not being in here 
because you could easily go to the captain's impassioned speech and everything. But this was a, a, a logically built argument that while I am very curious about our Vulcan head of Jag here, why he's even bringing this to light, because I feel like there's more to it. It, it, it felt like we even flashed him once and there was almost like a very thin, very small little little wrinkle of the of the lip, just little curl, you know, just almost like that is logical. Almost like a, a, okay, you got me there type of deal. Might have read that wrong, but that's the way I saw it. So, this is very good. One of my favorite lines from from this episode, guys, is what Nira says right after the three-point code thing was read. It's as she's approaching the bench, the well and the bench, whatever. Um, do you know why I love the law? Because a law is not a mirror to society. A law is an ideal, a beacon to remind us how to be our better selves. And you have the oppor- opportunity today to do just that. Mr. Basalk has made this case about the law, and I agree it is, by his own argument. You cannot ignore that code 8514 is also law. Boom. All I'm asking you to do today is to be, be to be your better selves and enforce the law that favors my client with the same dispassion as the laws that would exclude her. God, I, I think that was my favorite line, or whatever, of the whole thing. Yeah, and when the when the judges come back in, they're basically like, "We're not ready to rewrite the law here. Like, that's not the point. That's not what we're trying to do. Essentially, it's like the rules against genetic modifications exist for a reason. Like, good reason. We're trying to protect ourselves from another eugenics force, and that's, you know, that's admirable. But you know, lines have to be drawn, but they have to be shifted and we have to treat people and each situation is unique. And while we want the law to be one size fits all, it really isn't right. And it's not going to be in this case. Right. And we grant her asylum. Yeah. I mean, you you know what, one of the things we see in like current day judicial situations is sometimes you get judges who write law from the bench instead of enforce law instead of truly understand law and basically apply everything equally and then you have some that favors you know one thing over the other there, 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 there has to be a subtlety in a civilized society. There has to be an understanding of everything presented. Now, granted, that's an uphill battle because law is a... I mean, the term ambulance chaser. Mm. You know, to equate to lawyers, frivolous lawsuits upheld by precedent instead of law lawmakers who don't truly take the laws that they're making very seriously or attempt to push other things aside from what they're trying to do um you know i i appreciate 
the ending here, even though it is a veil that we do not see today. Mm. And it would be great if this were more applicable in current day. I think a lot of people would get a lot fairer shake if it was. So, something to aspire to. Sure. Well, after, you know, Una wins, basically, uh, we have like a touching, you know, reunion um, in the transporter room. When she beams aboard, everyone's there clapping. You know, there's a little bosun's whistle and everything. And um, long enough for, you know, Nier to finally call Una friend again. And uh, their relationship kind of um, starting to be mended, or mostly mended, it would seem. Um, And saying, like, I don't like Starfleet. Y'all know that, but this is a start. That's fine. And uh, energize, peace out. The end. Hug from Pike. And then a good buddy pat on the arm after the (laughs) hug. Like, oh, sorry. (laughs) Oh, man. Y'all, that's it. Wow. Okay. Um, Any final comments about this episode uh, before we we move on? No. No. Um, So... Because of the nature of this episode, it's a courtroom drama. Uh, I, I'm perfectly fine in this case saying let's ignore the Delta. Let's all get let's everyone give a command Delta and then yeah. give us a, like a an NA on the others. You don't want to <laughs> right. give like an operational Delta like Uhura for like countermanding and bad order. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. You don't want to give a science delta for that one Illyrian doctor that just so happened to be able to take care of Una when she had a broken leg when nobody else would. Fine. Clean, sweet, David. Clean, sweet. Hey, I'm just saying, let's all give a captain's delta and then an NA for the others. Right? Or a command delta. All right. So let's move on to uh, the numerical rating for this episode. Scale of 1 to 10. 1 being a complete dumpster fire and 10 being absolutely amazing. How do we rate this thing? David, what do you think, I'll, man? Oh, okay. Yeah, you have to say it. You have to pick. I we don't pick here. You pick. I chose. I use my big boy voice this time, okay? David, come uh, on now. All right, fine. Okay, <laughs> so... Um, I, I really, really enjoyed the episode uh, a lot actually a a lot and you know as much as we kind of got down on on last week's episode and maybe this one should have been one or whatever uh, the fact is is that they came out they came out swinging in this episode so one the the casting was fantastic the actor who played Nero was I mean amazing I I really really enjoyed her in basically everything we had here the the beginning banter with Pike 
all the way through to the ending, the end speech. It was basically a stealing of the show moment. And this show allows you to do that. It doesn't have to prop up one character forever and ever and ever, and nobody else can take the spotlight, let alone a guest star that we may never see again. Um, that is one of the, the cool things I love about this show because you can have all these great, well-developed, strong-willed uh, characters, but they can still take a back seat and still have you know fun moments like Spock and his, his little joke and Leon and her you know, kind of self-guilt over possibly betraying her friend um, even though in her own mind she did betray her friend by by just being mad about being lied to um, you know Pike's efforts in the beginning to get our lawyer and then his sort of stoicism throughout the episode and, and the, the emoting that you know Anson Mount was able to do just as an actor in general um, and then you know discussing tough topics is a thing that Star Trek has always historically done and I mean you could make a case like in DS9 did it the best you know did very very well to topics that are uncomfortable to talk about you know earlier I asked the question I asked because I think it deserves to be asked because we are facing some of those issues today and thinking about that in terms of maybe, you know, 100, 200, 300, 400 years, whatever down the road, that this could be normal or it could have been our undoing is, you know, it is scary. Um, and it also, you know, it makes makes me think about, you know, current case law and, and how it isn't fair across the board. And we, we don't do a good job of having subtlety in, in our society sometimes. And we do still deal with a lot of the problems that we, you know, we say, no, 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 we couldn't possibly do that, but they are, they're there. So I can, I can appreciate this episode on multiple, multiple terms. It doesn't beat you over the head with what it's trying to teach you but it effectively brings you some lessons that you can go and ask questions about and have debate about. And, and that's, that's fantastic. So I am, I, I, I'm a little, I'm a little like, it's tough for me to like, think about a score. Um, because like kind of looking back at last season, I don't think it's as quite as high as like my highest rated episode of that season. I don't think, but maybe, maybe when we revisit all this later, I can amend, but I think I'm going to go ahead and give it a 9.2. Yeah. Great. All right. Um, I'll go ahead and go. Why not? Let's save Eric for the end. See what happens. Let's go crazy. Let's go nuts. Um, <clears throat> so, I there th- a lot of what what you were saying, uh, David. I can I can agree with. I um, I actually sent a tweet to um, our our um, guest star from this week. The the 
person who portrayed um, Nira, uh, actor's name is, um, probably going to butcher this, so sorry, um, but I'm assuming it's Yatiti Badaki um, is the, the actor's name. Um, and I said, um, you deserve an award for your performance in Strange New Worlds. Well done. Very well done. Um, she, I, I thought she stole every scene that she was in, and I think she should get some kind of like Emmy nod or something personally for, for her guest spot. Um, this was uh, a very uh, thoughtful episode of Trek. It was very refreshing in terms of uh, what we saw. And uh, I had sent a, uh, a couple texts to Eric earlier today um, kind of saying, like, I think it might be related to this or that, or the other thing in terms of, like, themes. And then, like, one of my final comments was, um, there's so many layers to this. I think there's, like, so many ways that you could... Um, apply the content in this, you know, from a um, legal and just like social commentary kind of standpoint, which is, again, um, what I know both both the guys have said in different ways, that's what Trek does. And Trek typically does it pretty well. And I want to say that so far, the writers, including Akiva Goldsman, our showrunner, has been able to um, live up to you know the whole like not bonking you on the he the head like being overly preachy which I've really appreciated I, I watched this um, this episode um, in the morning and then a couple hours later I watched it again because uh, I just enjoyed it that much and there aren't too many Star Trek episodes that I genuinely want to just watch again for the heck of it uh, I thought you had like some really good um, interactions. You got to um, continue building upon relationships, not just with Una and Nira, but also the whole crew coming together to support one of their own, which I really liked. Um, I like seeing a book, like a real book in Trek. That was kind of cool. And the connection that it had with Court Martial, um, with having real books also. Um, I thought the outcome was good, and it was it gave us something like to really think about and to chew on, and I hope we get. Um, I'm not saying we need like a, a procedural episode, you know, every season, but like if we get something more like this in the future, like for a future, like court episode, bring it, baby. I would I would love it. I would love that. But like let's just have a like a se like at least a one or two seasons before we have another one. Just saying. Um, I came into this, um, this discussion with a particular rating. Um, I can't think of too many complaints about this episode. Um, it's not a 10. I wouldn't get, I'm not going to give this episode a 10. So don't worry, Eric. It's not a 10. Um, I you do I'm, you, boo boo. <laughs> I do me. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm right up there with, with David, with this rating. Um, I came into this with, um, with a nine, three, and I'm going to, I'm going to leave with it at a nine, three. So Eric, bring us home, bud. 
Okay, alright. Both of you have said a lot of really good things. Probably, I'm just probably going to echo a lot of them. Um, I think Star Trek, when it and science fiction in general, is, is at its best when it holds a mirror to our society, right? It does that social criticism. And it, t it tells, by holding that mirror, it tells us where we are, but it also tells us, like, where we want to be and where how we want to get better. And, um, <clears throat> you know, we're at a point in our... In, our society and our country today where there are a lot of people that that feel marginalized that they feel uh that like the law doesn't help them that the law is actively working against them um and you know here we're we even mentioned a lot of that in our in our defense attorney's opening speech um and you know okay so we're using genetic modification to as like our our metaphor for all those people that that feel like the law is working against them and um you know i i both of you said that i don't think this episode is like using a hammer or, or is overt about it but i also don't think it's very subtle about it at all um and i think it it, it walked a very good line between not being subtle but not being like beat you to death with a hammer um and you know there will be there will undoubtedly be some people that will criticize this episode and they will call it woke right uh, um but like i think if it touches a nerve with you and it makes you uncomfortable i think this episode has done its job right because i think that's what good good social commentary is supposed to do um and look star trek has always been progressive and liberal um and forward thinking like that and i don't think star trek has really ever been all that subtle if you go back to the original series um so there i mean there's just a lot of things that this episode does right and i enjoyed it immensely i think we're gonna we're gonna look back at this and this will take its place with the measure of a man and the drum head, you know, 30, 40, 50 years from now, I think we'll be talking about it in that, in that same instance. And yeah, it's not fiery or in some passion, but I think it, it our, as you said, Chase, our, our defense attorney here, she's, she's just great in everything she does here. Um, and yeah, I, I came into this with a number and David's number reassured me because it's the same number that I had and I'm going to give it a 9.2. Very good. Okay. <clears throat> so, let's see, we have 9.2. So we have a 9.23 repeating, 9.23 um, for the average rating uh, amongst each of us, man. Like, look, like, just look at last week. Like, I don't want to, like, beat the crap out of last week, but, like, just look at like how big of a jump it's it's a decent jump right from mm -hmm. um you know high sevens to now low nines i mean it's our, these are our first nines of the season gang we're only in week two yeah and, and i also i think as i mentioned this is this is probably an early candidate for the great bird of the galaxy award at the mm -hmm. the next version of the TRTV awards. Yeah, man. Yep. And this is like a leading candidate. I would think so. 
and probably not to not to like you're trying you to know, don't skew anything persuade sway anybody to vote right. a certain way <laughs> well that and like i think best episode like i think this is easily like so far a contender for best episode also yeah okay i mean looking at our overall ratings right it still comes in as at the as the fourth highest rated episode of this this cycle Wow, sure does. Yes, it's going to be hard to beat the last generation. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we gave that a perfect score. Yeah, a perfect ten. Man. What about what about Maybe like some nostalgia? Built into I, I don't know. I think a mathematically yeah. perfect redemption has a chance. I think that's. I think that episode might win two awards, two different awards. <laughs> <laughs> biggest WTF moment and worst episode. <laughs> Just saying. I mean, there was a Lower Decks episode that won two of those same two awards last year. Goodness. Well, um, guys um, and, and all y'all in listener land, uh, we do have a Twitter poll, but I'm, I'm very conflicted about you know sharing it because it was such a low participation, so I don't even think I should, um, you know, like read results. So I'd just like to have like a very brief discussion about this, okay? Like around like what the Twitter poll was. So it was it's on brand, of course, like with what we were talking about today in in, in the episode. So the question was based around like who did it better. Um, with like the courtroom drama slash procedural type thing, uh, was it uh, Drumhead with Next Gen or was it this one type of thing? Um, so those are like th- both. I-, I chose those two compared to like the Measure of a Man because I mean, just my justification. Like Drumhead, like it was more on point with like racism. I think, and even conspiracy, much like today's episode was also. So, um, I mean, Measure Man is an amazing episode. Like, there's nothing against that. But, like, looking at the two, like, I know we have nostalgia with the next-gen episode, and we have, like, recency with this one. But who did do it better? Like, with, like, such similar themes. Like, what do y'all think? I mean that the the nostalgia and I don't even just nostalgia but it's like the fact that I'm sitting with you know seeing the drumhead for 20 years right and I've seen this episode for a day right <laughs> like the other one has just had time to like work its way into my brain right and you know like it's that that great Picard speech. It's not. It's not even fiery. It's it's impassioned, right? That's why I was making sure I said both of those, right? Not it's not fiery, but there's a lot of passion. He's so calm as he's doing it, and that moment just hits so well. But that, that's not what you're talking about here, right? You're talking about who handles the subject matter better. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know, man. I feel like. I feel like because it maybe this episode is so topical from 
the world we're in right now like this is like a big discussion like every day you see these people who feel marginalized who feel like the law is actively working against them like was it was that the same in whenever the drumhead came out when was that 1991 92 right was that as like prominent in daily discourse and that time period I don't know I just because I'm not I wasn't aware I wasn't old enough to be aware so I want to say maybe this episode does alright because it feels more on the nose whereas like the other one is like more subtle I think sure yeah I it's tough. It really is. It, 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 it's 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 pretty tr- tough. I, I mean the the th- the thing that I remember about Drumhead is more akin to like you know the whole uh, what was it uh, or or I guess I should say who was it the the it was the like the McCarthy trials with communism yeah, mm-hmm. yeah Admiral you, yeah it was it was more akin to kind of the uh, I'm, I'm looking looking for the word that the fear it is more seemingly baseline fear of the potential of the unknown uh, and, and kind of applying things that just weren't there seeing what you want to see um which is a great lesson that people should learn because again you have to look at the thing as it is if it's a you know if, if it's black and white and has stripes and it's thundering towards you you assume it's a zebra and not a horse or vice versa or whatever the hell that saying is i can't quite remember the <laughs> everything in the world but um in this case, as Eric said, it's it's very it's very topical, you know. It's it's very topical, and it, it makes it, it it brings about a just this generation's thought provoking question. Because I think I think that that whole uh, fanaticism was still there in whenever that episode came what, early 90s late yeah. 80s early 90s yeah you know so i i would call it about an equal measure of a time of a moment in time you know and hopefully you know 30 40 50 years from now when we can look back on this and say hey guys you remember and then that'll be me because I can't remember anything at that point Um, can't remember anything anyway yeah (laughs) (laughs) but David knows that I'm not (laughs) sorry go ahead but when we but when we look back at um, at this I, I think I think it'll feel like the same bit of moment in time that drumhead does did mm. so I, I I think that this does have the capacity to be potentially a classic episode sweet that's kind of saying a lot for a 9.2 but <laughs> be revisited 
Okay. All right. Well, that's it, guys. That's it. So, um, as usual, thanks for uh, for dropping in and talking Trek with me and with, with all of us. Uh, next time that we are um, back at it, we are in uh, episode three called Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, which will probably be um, a favorite episode for David, since, you know, it's time travel and stuff, potentially. You know, temporal causality loops, no big deal. Temporal mechanics, David loves that stuff. He eats it up with a spoon, man. So, so cool. So cool. All right. Well, everyone out there in Listenerland, thank you so much for tuning in. I know you have um, a choice in what you listen to, and we appreciate you listening to this uh, this show. Um, in all seriousness, though, like, uh, what did you think of the episode? Uh, did you like it? Um, did you rate it as high? Did you rate it higher? Um, you rate it lower. Like, was this your least favorite of the season so far? Like, if if so, like, wow, wow, we got to talk. I'm just saying. Um, we'd love to connect with you. Check us out on trtvpod.com and learn more about us there. Uh, send us a note. Connect with us. Share an idea for a show. Of course, you can um, email us directly. You can open up hailing frequencies and entering coordinates to trtvpod at gmail.com. Uh, you can also send us a voice-only transmission, 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute limit, so uh, watch out now. Uh, other than that, if you want to mail us something, like a big, giant... Starfleet Law Book. That's cool. Uh, Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas 76098. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, remember to boldly go and make it so.